the, really what's happening is the, the problem is they're hiring uh, a driver before they've built the car. You know, we see this uh. kind of right? Where if you're, if you're sort of, you know, if you've gone from zero to one on, on referrals and the kind of the quality of your work, that's great. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I think that's awesome to build a business that way. But, but the problem is you haven't really built the infrastructure whereby somebody else can slot into your seat and close that deal because there's just lots of intangibles that that person doesn't have yet. And also there's not really a good, you know, machine for getting them appointments teed up and getting them opportunity. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to landing your dream client, to growing your digital agency or whatever type of agency you have. And he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to business to business sales and lead generation. And this, of course, is my favorite topic because I always love learning something new and how you can get your message out there. And there's there's a bunch of things that we're covering, of course. The main thing is really lead generation and some unique ways of getting new leads that aren't just related to paid media or related to just your actual marketing, but actual strategies of going out there and getting new business and forming those relationships. We're talking about all of that and it's so, so good. And Dan's just a super genius. He might not call himself that, but I can tell you after listening to this episode, you'll say, um, yeah, he's pretty much a genius. So you're going to enjoy this. Dan, welcome to the show. I'm beyond thrilled to have you with me today because we're talking about my favorite topic and, uh, I know it's uh, those who are listening. I know it's their favorite topic too, because we're going to talk about the the things, probably the big pain points that that people have in their business, which is generating more sales, generating more leads. How do we land our dream clients? How can we actually build effective sales teams? And you're like the genius on all of those topics. So I'm so excited that you're with me today. Welcome. Thank you. I don't know about about genius, but I I do know how to nerd out on various sales tech platforms and stuff and so on. So hopefully I'll be useful in some way. That, that alone is genius. So <laughs> in, in, in what you do, yes. So before we get into all of that, um, let's talk about a little bit of your background and how you got into what you're doing today. Yeah, for sure. So, so basically, you know, I moved to New York out of college in like 2010. And I think like, I always joke that if you don't know what you want to do in New York, you kind of just end up in like the waste bin of the agency world. <laughs> so I started, uh, yeah, I started like on the account side, you know, kind of like working on some consumer accounts. Like I was literally, literally the guy that like answered problems about broken or counterfeit headphones on a Facebook wall for like a consumer electronics brand and did that for a little while, um, pitched a lot of things and then basically moved, moved on to being the head of new business. And, you know, the first employee basically at uh, an animation studio called idea rocket that I think, you know, we both know yes. um, and, and helped, helped them do pretty well. You know, basically it was kind of in one of these classic, you know, agency slash creative services, kind of like sales client service hybrid roles. So I was always like shuffling back and forth between, you know, onboarding clients and then trying to win new business and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, really, really kind of like early on, didn't really take ownership over being in sales. It was kind of like something I had to do. And then eventually, you know, my boss who's still a good friend was like, you want, you want to get sales coaching? And I was like, yeah, I probably should. I maybe can make more money that way. <laughs> it's probably a good idea. So did that. And, you know, we tried every tactic under the sun. We did 
in AdWords, you did outbound, we did inbound, and eventually got on, you know, thousands of calls, got a lot of reps in and helped help the company grow, eventually got them, you know, help, not just me, but helped them get to seven figures and a bunch of Fortune 500 clients. And then around 2014, just kind of wanted to do my own thing um, and kind of did the whole Tim Ferriss route, you know, and <laughs> quit, quit the job, traveled Asia for a while and uh, ended up starting sales schema. Four hour a, work week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what it was at the time. And that's yeah. like, thinking on it. So it evolved a lot. Now it's definitely not a four hour work week, but still not <laughs> bad. But yeah, I started sales schema in like 2014 and, you know, pretty soon on uh, we realized that, you know, agencies were a place where we could really be useful. That's where I had a lot of experience. And most of our clients kind of got from zero to one on referrals and personal networks and got to a place where that wasn't enough anymore. And then, you know, we, we sort of pivoted the business to doing uh, outreach and being you know, essentially a fractional new business team focused on the agency uh, side of things. So what that means is, you know, we're typically going out to the market for our clients, doing outreach to keep the pipeline full and get meetings regardless of how busy or not busy they are. Well, that's, so that's so awesome because that's, that's a big thing for people that have, you know, some type of a, of a service business or an agency is how do you keep that pipeline full? And when it comes to like, you're talking about Google ads before or running, running paid media ads, it's a tricky thing. And it can, it can work great for a few months and all of a sudden there's an algorithm change and it's like, I don't know what to do. You know, how do I, how do I keep my pipeline full? So let's like talk about that first. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, I think that there's lots of different channels and, you know, approaches that can have different levels of, of effectiveness for different people. You know, if you're selling to, roofers or something, then you're probably going to have a different process than if you sell to fortune 500 corporations. Right. Um, my experience since sales schema has been more towards the latter. So it's definitely, it's, it's definitely outreach or outbound focus. And that tends to be a good fit, not only, but I think that there's more of an emphasis on a situation where, you know, your pot of gold at the end of the rainbow is big enough to justify making that connection, you know, maintaining that sales process and so on and so forth from there. So I'd say as a rough range, you know, most of our clients, their average deal size is probably like, you know, 80K up to like, you know, eight figures or something like that. So right. that's, that's kind of what we tend to see. So I can definitely talk a lot about, a lot about outreach. I think, you know, for us personally and for a lot of like the internal stuff that we do, um, like just like we're doing right now, like I, I'm a big believer and it earned and, you know, having a podcast, getting on other people's podcasts. Um, I think that it's, it's a relatively low effort thing to do. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great way to build an audience, but I don't think it's the only way. So I can, I can, from this point, nerd out in like five different pathways, I think, depending on what you think would be most useful. Well, let's yeah. see. So, you know, you're, you're talking about, um, outbound, what are some strategies that, that you use that have yielded really good results? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, I think it's, it's, it's evolved a little bit, you know, so I think in the early days, um, not the early days, but, you know, even, even as of like, you know, a year or two ago, you, you really could do outbound in a way where you're like, okay, whatever, I want to reach CMOs of SaaS companies, I'm just making this up and I'm going to spit out a list of them and, you know, write them a pitch and then I'm going to get a bunch of calls from it. And I'm not saying that never works. I think for kind of like new or really interesting kind of like, you know, novel services, that direct approach can still be pretty effective. But I think what's, what we've seen happen is kind of like two big trends. 
the first is that there's just way more competition, you know, overall yeah. uh, for, for agency services, creative services, especially, you know, so that's the first thing. The second trend is just competition for attention. And then that, that trend accelerated, you know, massively like everything did with, with COVID and the whole world going digital where everybody that was at a trade show or, you know, was trading business through analog means is now had to figure it out through digital. So that yeah. means that there's this traffic jam effect and you, you know, if I say it, like, you know, if you go on LinkedIn right now, check your inbox, it's just constant noise. I, I can't even do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. and, unless somebody's like actually giving something of value, but honestly there it's, people are just, it, it's so bombarded with, with emails that are just, Hey, are you interested? Are you interested? Are you interested? And they're all kind of offering the same thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's become, and because of the, because of the noise, the noise is drowning out even those that are well-positioned and tasteful and, and so on. So then the question becomes, Dan, you know, I'm sort of getting away from your question. Okay, okay, Dan, like what the heck do you actually do then? And what, what we found to work and kind of like where we've shifted our campaigns is like what we call, you know, relationship-driven new business at scale, you know, and kind of emphasis at scale. So a lot of what we do at Sales Schema is kind of writing the sorts of emails and doing this sort of targeting that, you know, our clients could do if they actually had a million hours in the day to sit down and do custom research on each prospect and write them, you know, a custom letter and so on. So to get tangible, and this is through, you know, a lot of proprietary technology we've built and so on, we might have a situation like we have a campaign going now where we've identified C-level, you know, and or marketing leaders that went to the same college as our client. And we're saying, hey, saw you went to, you know, University of Michigan. I'm a fellow alum. Um, we're, we're an agency. We do this on the third thought I'd reach out with a fellow or Wolverine. I forget the, <laughs> what the mask yeah. is. But, uh, let's, let's connect. And, and then from, from that, you know, when somebody gets that message, they're, they're thinking, okay, yeah, this was somebody actually took the time to do this. I'll, I'll give them, you know, uh, some time in my day. And even when they're not ready to talk, they're at least not saying go away. They're at least not hitting the spam button. So that, that's where things are heading. And we have another, you know, couple dozen campaigns that we're running now with similarly like creative ways in. So I think that, you know, even if you can't do what we do at scale, if you're doing this on your own, um, it's about thinking more, more creatively, you know, and kind of getting more towards personalization instead of just, just doing what everybody else is doing and like figuring out, okay, you know, like, let me just, you know, turn out a list of of the, the ultimate person I want to talk to think more about like, who's likely to talk to you in the sort of account you'd like to be doing business as opposed to just that ultimate decision maker that's probably getting just inundated all day. Yeah, that makes so much sense. You know, I think that for for the past, I don't know how many years, you know, we've had so much technology that helps us in terms of sales and streamlining things. You know, there's so many CRMs that automate things for you that really have allowed us to reach reach more people and keep them nurtured via automation. At the same time, people are seeing so much of that automation and they're looking, they're like, ah, oh, this is probably an email they just sent to everybody, or this is um, you know, just a template and it, it's not personalized. And I know that you you can speak to this in terms of what is that balance of having of automating and then also being very custom like at which what are the right times to be custom what are the right times to automate because i think people get kind of um overwhelmed with both yeah it's, it's such a good question um so I, I think that before somebody has agreed to speak to you before you have any sort of relationship 
that's a, a better time to automate, you know? Um, and I think that there's a lot less to be lost than people think. Um, yeah, granted, like there's, you, there's ways that you can mess things up or be un, untaste, distasteful, but I think usually in my experience, people's, um, the opportunity cost is more than the not shipping and not keeping up with a certain volume of, of outreach or, or whatever. And this, this doesn't just apply to outbound. It could apply, it could apply to any marketing effort for that matter. I think a lot of the times people use that as an excuse not to actually build a relationship in your in their market. And then they think that something bad's going to happen, you know, like I'm going to offend somebody or something like that. And usually what happens is you don't matter that much. Like if the timing's not right or, or you're not interesting enough, people probably forget about you and then you can re-engage them later. It's very rare unless you do something that's really crazy, you know, you're not going to be offending people and stuff. So I think that that's, you know, that's where automation can come in handy a little bit more is being able to keep up with a certain volume of outreach so that you can actually play this numbers game while not only playing a numbers game. So again, getting towards personalization, it might mean, you know, for context, we're probably contacting an average of about a hundred people per business day, which, you know, sounds like a lot, but really isn't that many, but it's enough for us to be getting a meaningful number of meetings in a week, i.e., you know, probably five to 20. So again, I think before that relationship happens, it's, you know, you should be more open to, to a little bit more automation. After that though, I think that that's, people tend to get this in reverse. And then, you know, once they have a relationship, once they've already gotten on a call with somebody, then that's often where they are are like, well, let me let me automate the follow up or something like that. I think there's different ways to think about this. Um, I think that you know if you're sending a newsletter, I'm sort of of the the new way of doing it where you're not fooling anybody into thinking that a newsletter is anything but that. Like everybody that gets your newsletter, I'm a big believer. You know they should think that this was meant for one to many. But when you're doing that that kind of bespoke follow-up, you know, with somebody maybe it was like, whatever, a CMO you talked to 60 days ago, that's not, that it's not going to be worth too much automation there. You might have like a mail merge. You might have like 50 people and you have a filter in your CRM that says, okay, here's 50 people that I talked to, you know, between 30 and 90 days ago. I might have like a, a paragraph that I'm reusing, but I'm going to at least customize that first line. You know, that's the right way to think about it where it's kind of like hybrid automation. So that's, that's kind of, and then beyond that, you know, once people are going through, you know, a deeper part of your funnel, maybe they're about to sign up for a $50,000 project or something, then that's where you really don't want much automation at all because that, right. there's just much to be lost. So that's, that's kind of how I like to think about it. What are, so, you know, as you're talking about sitting out a hundred emails per day, and actually, I think you said five to 10 appointments. That's really good, actually, out of, out of a hundred. So I'm guessing you've got some really good, really good content that you're sending really good, you know, emails that are actually opening doors for people to say, oh, there's some, there's some value here. And I knew you talked a little bit about that before, but what are some other things that people can do to to create that, you know, so that they see something in that first email, because like, you know, we said earlier, people are receiving so, so many cold reach outs and they don't know the person. So they have no reason to open it. Like, what are some things that can get people like, oh, I should pay attention to this? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And I think there's, there's lots of things you can do. So I think, you know, what, what we've seen work is probably not the only way. Um, I've heard a lot of people having a lot of success with like personalized videos and stuff. That's not something that we've done a lot, a lot of yet, but I, I know that people, you know, um, have a lot of good things to say about that. 
for, for us, you know, I, I think like one way to think about it is, is the work is always going to live at some part of the process. It's just, it's just sort of figuring out like where, you know, just having the right expectations about where that work lives. So for example, I think that the way that we do things at Sales Schema, less of the work is centered on positioning and coming up with case studies and sending that sort of like funnel-based work to people. But so the actual content we're sending is actually pretty simple. It's textual. The hard thing is is figure is the data, right? Is finding that commonality um, and finding you know the, the personal and or business connection that that our clients have with the prospect that we're reaching out to. So so I think with that in mind, you know, if people wanted to kind of ape what what we're doing, that's that's the better starting play, place is placing that work on that prospect identification. So. Again, instead of just like going to like a sales navigator or a Zoom info and figuring out that CMO, it might be that you, you, you're part of a trade association and you figure out, okay, what companies that are, have sponsored our trade association in the past could be a good fit. And then you're kind of bespoke coming up with that list and saying, hey, I'm part of Acme Trade Association and saw you were a sponsor two years ago. Thought this would be a good reason to connect and using that as a way in or, or something to that effect, you know. It could be it could be an alumni connection. It could be a million other things. But being able to put the work towards that research, I think, is a really really great way, and that's something that's that's been effective for us. Yeah, I, I totally agree. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you fall into one of these categories. You're an entrepreneur, a small business owner, an online marketer, or maybe an agency owner. I'm also guessing that you want new leads who are excited to buy from you. Am I right? Would you be excited to generate five new leads a day? 10, 100, maybe even hundreds? Do you even know where to begin to do that? Well, I can tell you this, it doesn't begin with wishing and waiting, but it does begin with a successful lead funnel. If you wanna have an endless stream of hot leads coming into your pipeline, you'll wanna check out the five-day lead challenge where you'll learn step-by-step the high-level strategy to generate leads on demand for your specific business. You'll learn how to build your lead magnet that attracts these leads to you in the coolest way I've seen yet. You'll also learn how to take these people and then turn them into your dream leads You'll also learn how to follow up with them and how to launch this funnel without having to spend any money. Sounds pretty cool, right? Can I make it even cooler? Okay, here it goes. It's all free, all free. Yes, you can learn all of this for free. So if you're ready to get access to this free five-day challenge, head over to thedrawshop.com forward slash five day thedrawshop.com forward slash the number five and day. See there. Now, in terms of finding those people, you know, going beyond just referrals or, you know, who's in your, who's in your LinkedIn network, what are other ways to, to find those key dream clients that you want to connect with? Yeah. So, I mean, I think first is just kind of getting clarity and and focus around what, what makes for a dream client. You know, I I think a lot of the times that's, that's the hardest part, especially when we're working with agencies that have worked in all sorts of different industries all over the place. So I think it's, it's first kind of figuring out like where you've been successful and and so on in the past from there, you know, another thing just to give out another tactic that you can do. And this, again, there's, it's, it's almost limitless kind of how you can 
go about finding this data. But one is is looking at kind of historic client accounts. So if you, this works particularly well if you've worked with big companies before. Okay. Figuring out, okay, who used to work at that company that's since moved on to another place um, and then using that as the way in and saying, hey, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work with Nike in the past. Um, saw you used to work there. Now you're, you know, you're at Reebok. Um, what is it? Curious what you're up to now. You know, we've done this, that, and the third. And that, that's a really just kind of like classy way in. And if you think about it, not very few, if any, people are doing that. So, so I think it, it's, it is tough without like a lot of the, you know, proprietary stuff we're doing, doing it at scale is going to be tough to do right away. But I think even if you, you know, were to put, put some time towards that or even delegate it to somebody else on your team, that's, that's a good way to, to think about it. And, you know, I think LinkedIn will get you some of the way there and there's probably, there's probably other resources too, but you know, a lot of what we're doing is, is based on around 15 list builders drawing from lots of different wells all the time. So it's hard to, to DIY a lot of it. But I think that even if you just did, you know, kind of an elementary version of it, you can get pretty far. That's really awesome. And I think it really opens up ways that you can really connect with, with your dream client. So now let's talk about, you know, actual sales. And I think for a lot of you know, a lot of agencies are smaller. Some people that are listening are, are just starting out with their agency. They might've worked for somebody before, maybe they're a freelancer, but they're just starting to, to build that. And so they might only have, you know, they are either their own salesperson or they have a couple of, of salespeople. How can you, what, like, what are some tips for really building an effective sales team, especially when you're, when you're selling services that are, high, high ticket ongoing services? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think there's, there's, um, there's probably a lot of different ways to get it right. I think that there's a few kind of like culprits for getting it wrong that we tend to see. So I, I often like to start there. I think the, the biggest thing to avoid is just make sure you're not kind of hiring that closer prematurely. Um, and we see this happen a lot where the, you know, an agency says, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not really a salesperson. I don't like sales. I want to get it off my plate, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll, they'll, you know, they'll interview a bunch of people. They'll, they'll end up hiring probably somebody who's really good in the six-figure realm. And then whatever, three, six, nine months later, that person hasn't produced much. And then they're let go. And they say, well, that didn't work. And then that's maybe they give that another shot later. It doesn't work again. And then they're like, I guess nobody else can sell but me. But the really what's happening is the, the problem is they're hiring uh, a driver before they've built the car. You know, we see this uh... Right. Where if you're, if you're sort of, you know, have you've gone from zero to one on, on referrals and the kind of the quality of your work, that's great. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I think that's awesome to build a business that way. But, but the problem is you haven't really built the infrastructure whereby somebody else can slot into your seat and close that deal. Cause there's just lots of intangibles that that person doesn't have yet. And also there's not really a good, you know, machine for getting them appointments teed up and getting them opportunity great salespeople, you know, thrive based on division of duties, you know, and, and I think in a traditional perfect sales world, you'd have that closer, you'd have a BDR or business development rep, like a junior sitting below them that's seeing at meetings. And then that BDR would be fueled by, by data and, and copy and everything. And not to shamelessly plug us, but we're looking to kind of be a better, faster, cheaper than that agency BDR. Um, but anyway, regardless of that, um, I think the thing to do is, is just kind of like, you know, it's a lot, what a lot of people don't want to hear, but just kind of like accept the fact that as the owner, you know, you're, you might be that best closer for maybe a while, you know, until you're able to kind of build 
that that machine and that system. Um, yes. I think there's exceptions to that. Like when I was in, you know, an idea rocket, uh, our, our owner did not want to be involved in sales, but he also invested tons in AdWords and getting inbound working really well um, so that he was able to kind of get slot somebody else into that role and, you know, make that work. So I, I think that once you are kind of able to build that car, uh, then you, you can get a closer in there. So, so then the question becomes, okay, like what, you know, how do you, how do you build that sort of like underlying system? And I think that realistically, you know, it's going to be a combination of, of an owner working on it. And then if it's just, you know, you just starting out, it's probably you and then delegating certain tasks and that sort of thing to, to build that machine. Yeah, that makes, that makes so much sense. I love that analogy too. It, it really does make sense. What, what are the things that you are, that sales schema is like, what are all the things that you can do to help agencies build? Yeah, for sure. So, so basically our, our core competency is, is being, you know, a fractional new business team, which, which is a, a fancy way of saying like, we're looking to slot into kind of that junior level sales role. So what we're really, really good at is kind of like helping our clients get clarity, kind of figuring out, okay, out of the whole grab bag of potential verticals and so on they can work with, what do we think is going to be effective? And then from there, we're actually like going out, you know, building those lists and, and doing that outreach to get, to get meetings teed up. So, you know, when we're actually doing it, we're doing it as our client or as whoever the salesperson we're assigned is. So our whole, you know, core competency is pipeline is, you know, building top of funnel and that sort of thing. Um, in addition to that, we also, we, we do kind of informal consulting and coaching. Sometimes we have a course called the agency lead generation course. Um, if anybody's interested in that, it's just saleskeeper.com slash course launch. Um, so that, that might be useful, but, uh, yes, but anyway, sales, let me just say that again, salesschema.com slash slash course launch course launch. Okay. We'll make sure to have that in our, um, in our show notes. Yeah. So hopefully that will be useful to some people, but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what the, the way that we're thinking about it. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of the times our clients are thinking about positioning and kind of like where best to focus, especially now where there's so much, you know, so much chaos and so on. Um, and our thinking, you know, whether, whether people hire us or not, is that the best way to, to figure it out is to actually like, you know, go to your market, try to sell people things because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's going to tell you a lot more than just kind of like guessing at it or reading articles or, or whatever. So that is, you are an awesome solution for agency owners. And I'm, I'm excited about your course too. I'm going to, I'm going to look at that. So you also, you also have a podcast, correct? Yeah. Uh, we have a podcast called the, the digital agency growth podcast, and we have uh, a lot of, a lot of different people on it. I've been kind of going off the reservation lately and having people from the tech world and so on. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I love it. I love all that you're doing because I think there's just, it's something that you have to constantly be educating yourself on and, and adapting to, especially when you're in this type of a business that you're, that you're selling services. It's just, it's definitely it's challenging. It's really challenging, especially when you're in that higher, you know, ticket range. It's it's harder to, or it appears to be harder to to close when when it's not just a little widget that you're selling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's challenging. I think I think that's the the tough part is like a lot of the times, you know, of course, sales cycles are longer and so on. Um, I think that the upside is, you know, you don't have to necessarily be everywhere. You know, you don't have to. I think that there's a lot there's a lot more to be said for like simplification. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to outbound and I, I can get into that. 
Um, but yeah, I think, I think that that's, we're big believers in the idea of, you know, outbound is, is probably something that should be part of everybody's arsenal, you know, if they're in, in the big ticket world. Um, and then from there, you might, you know, you might have one or two other channels and for most of our clients, that's, that's enough <laughs> to make this work. So yeah, at least up well, to the course. Yeah. Let's actually, we talked about it a little bit earlier before, but let's actually clarify just for those that might be totally new to, you know, any type of marketing and have really just gone based on referrals. Um, the difference between inbound and outbound. Yeah, it's a great question. So, so outbound is basically, you know, you going out outside proactively to build relationships and so on. So it's, it's knocking on doors, you know, so to speak, and hopefully yeah. a way it's, that's tasteful and, and so on from there. Um, so, and then versus inbound, which is, you know, you, you might, it might be putting up ads, it might be putting content out to the world, going on, on people's shows and, you know, earn the media like, like I'm doing right now. Um, and that sort of thing in order to get people coming to you. So they're, they're both, they're both great. You know, they both have their own unique, um, pros and cons and, or, and challenges and, and so on. Um, I think for, for outbound, the, the, to go in with the right expectations, the challenge is that you're typically going to get in at an earlier stage and it's going to take a little bit longer to close in, in that, you know, when you, when you knock on somebody's door, they might take a call with you because they're interested and curious and what you, what you're up to, but you're never just going to will a project into existence. You're not just going to be able to convince somebody to, you know, build a six figure website or, or whatever it is that you're doing in, in, with some exceptions. And some and those exceptions are you might get lucky occasionally and you happen to get, get in with somebody at the right time. So that's the challenge. I think the, the advantage though is that it scales to the size of your whole market and you get to decide you go after and also you get to get in earlier. So the challenge is also an advantage because you get to guide the decision-making process and determine, you know, how, how those decisions are made. Inbound's great because, you know, people are coming to you. They're going to come with a higher level of trust because, you know, they found you and maybe they've, maybe there's thought leadership that you've put out and so on. So you're going to be more of a shoe in. The, the downside is that it takes, it could take longer to kind of build up that infrastructure and get it to a place where it's actually producing inbound leads. Uh, and also, you know, by the time they reach out to you, they might be solution aware. So they might sort of be like, okay, I know generally what I want. I'm going to talk to four different vendors and, you know, pin them against each other and see who gives me the best rate and, and all that sort of thing, as opposed to getting to guide the whole decision earlier on. So they're both, you know, they're both things you should, you have to do both of them basically. Um, yeah. Both mandatory in some ways. Um, so it's, it's just sort of knowing what to expect. And inbound, you know, is probably more of people know that they have a problem and they're looking to you to help solve them. Whereas outbound, you might, you're introducing them or you might be, they might not even be aware that they have that as an issue. And you're, you're kind of, that's why the sales cycle is longer too, because you're making them aware, like, hey, you might not know this, but don't worry, we can help. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's one of the biggest expectations we like to be like super clear on with clients is this is not going to be like a referral, you know, because refer a lot of the times what we see is kind of like an overinflated sense of sales skills. I don't mean that to beat anybody up, but it's just a reality mm -hmm. where we like probably three average three times a week I hear, you know, get us in the room and we'll close the deal. And it's like, well, yeah, when somebody has been referred to you, you know, they know generally yes. what you want, you've come vetted and that's great. You know, it's great that you're getting, you're getting in those rooms, but that's tough to scale. And, you know, you're going to have to hear more no's than you're used to in order to make outbound work, but it scales, you know, and you get to decide who you, who you talk to ultimately. So that's kind of our, our, our approach to it. And that's really huge to understand because 
the next question I was going to ask you about is like the difference in terms of an, a salesperson, you know, that's on your team and people will say, oh, I'm so good at sales. I'm so good at sales. And it's like, well, if you've got somebody coming to you wanting what you have, it's a different, in my opinion, a different skill level to close that person than it is to go out and convince somebody that they, they need something that they might not have been thinking about. And I'd love to talk about the difference in, you know, if we're, if we're looking at two different types of salespeople, those that are like, I'm a great closer. Well, every lead is coming to you versus the reaching out and closing deals. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, reaching out, it requires you to actually like take on sales as a discipline and as, as an undertaking in a way that you might not have had to before. So mm-hmm. I think that with, with referrals, you know, there's, a, there's, it's very, not very rare. It's pretty uncommon for us to actually talk to agency owners and other salespeople that have actually gone through like formal sales training or have had to sort of like button up a process based on feedback that they're getting on lots of different calls. It's usually, Hey, we might get a pitch that comes to us through referral, you know, a couple times a month or whatever. And we have, you know, we take out the old dusty proposal and we, we, we figure out what they want and then we pitch them and then we win, you know, maybe out of every one or two times or so. And it's a big project and that's great. And I'm not, not, if that's working for you, do it till the end of time. But when you're talking about outbound, you know, it really requires you to kind of become like an athlete, you know, you're becoming this, this, uh, this performance athlete when it comes to sales and that, you know, you're, you're going through the process, you, you have a system and it's something that where things happen at certain times for, for a reason. And to get tangible, you know, for our process, we, we have kind of an initial qualification call with people that we talk to. We set expectations at the beginning. Here's what we're, you know, here's what we need to learn. Here's what's going to happen on this call. Don't get mad at us if we don't give you the information you want. Uh, we got to figure out if it makes sense to schedule a follow-up call. Here's what's going to happen on that follow-up call. And then in the proposal, you know, we're going through the motions and saying, here's what, you know, here's what's going to happen when we're going to have another call after that. So it's, it all becomes something that is very deliberate and very orchestrated. And I think that you know, that's something that it's, you're not just going to be able to make up out of thin air without having done it. It's going to take battle testing it and going through reps, basically, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It definitely makes sense. Is this some of the stuff that you teach in your course, by the way? Uh, so, so the course is basically built on to, on the top of the funnel. So for getting agreement to that, that appointment. Okay. Um, so in the future, maybe we will make a sales course, but right now it's, it's basically just focused on the, the lead component. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is awesome. I'm I'm all about that. <laughs> this yeah, this is so this is so great. I think, you know, one of the biggest takeaways for for those listening is having both in 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 effect your your inbound sales operations as well as your outbound and also remembering, you know, like you're you can't have the driver before the car is built. <laughs> it's so great. I can, of course, you know, we're an animation company, so I can totally see that drawn out. Um, <laughs> but what are, you know, what are the, what are three things for, you know, an agency right now? What are like three takeaways that you could offer someone listening right now that would be, you know, the most important things to focus on? Yeah, it's funny. I actually thought about this and got it down to a very cheesy three C's that I'm probably still- I love cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's it's three C's that I know I'm stealing from, from somebody because it's just too obvious. But the first is clarity, consistency, creativity, right? So I think the first is clarity around just what makes for a good client. And it doesn't mean that 
I, I've sort of broad framed how I think about this. I don't think it has to be niching down, it, but it probably means, you know, starting with that, that ideal client that you know really well, that you know you can close as, as opposed to what we tend to see a lot, which is like day trading where it's like, what's hot right now. We just had a great new project and cannabis. So let's go after that, you know, figuring out yeah. historically kind of what, what, where you where you can be most useful within a market. So kind of getting clear on who you're going after. Um, I think the second thing is, is consistency in that, you know, instead of thinking about this in terms of like tactics and software and all that sort of stuff, think about it more as in, okay, who's doing this? How, how many hours can they devote? You know, let's make sure that those hours are devoted to this process at these times each day or each week, you know, in terms of, of prospecting and, and getting new business and that sort of thing. Um, and then making sure that, you know, there's, there's, those consistent practices. And if that means you're hiring somebody to do it, great. If you're not there yet, then maybe that's you or, you know, somebody else on your team. Um, and then the third thing is creativity. And this is something I've been thinking a lot more about lately and that I think there's, a, there's, you know, when, when agencies work with their clients, they invest so much creative energy and doing really cool, like out of the box things. But then when it comes to doing sales for themselves, there's a lot of tendency to look for like a template and look for like a step-by-step instructional when mm. in reality, I think that if a lot more agencies just let themselves loose a little bit on their own efforts, um, they would do a lot better. So I, I would, I would sort of like, you know, have fun with it. You know, think you, most of our clients have fun with their clients coming up with things. Like, don't be afraid to do that for yourself and, you know, do things that are different than, you know, uh, annoying gurus like me <laughs> are telling you to do. Uh, and then that'll probably get you, you know, a lot, a lot more interest than almost anything else. So. Those are so great. I love that. My favorite is always clarity. I mean, all of them are so good, but when you, when you have clarity, it's just the best feeling in the world that <laughs> you can take off from there. Yeah. Everything, you know, the stress melts away. Right. So. Yep. Ex- exactly. Yep. Oh, this was so good. Dan, thank you so, so much. Um, again, check out everything that, that you guys do at saleschema.com S A L E S s-c-h-e-m-a.com and then it was saleschema.com slash uh, forward slash course launch if you want to check out that course any final words dan uh no i think i think that's it uh but uh, i really appreciate it summer hopefully we'll get you on on our show uh, some at some point before long i would love it thank you so much for joining me today likewise thank you so much Hey guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already done so, would you do me a favor and go subscribe and review this podcast? My goal is to continue to deliver you content that will really move the revenue needle in your business and give you up-to-date content on anything else that can dramatically help your business. You can also find us at thedrawshop.com slash podcasts, where you can comment on the podcast or contact us directly with any issues you'd like me to address. Thanks again. I really, really appreciate you listening and I'll see you next time.